Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. today. I'm so excited to be at church with you. No better place on the planet to be than right here with you at Cultivate. I want to welcome all of you watching online as well. I want you to go and grab your outline out of your worship guide for today's message. We are in week three of this series that we're calling All About the Benjamins. And if you are here for the first time, welcome. I am so pumped that you're here today. And I want to go ahead and just let you just breathe easy because I know you're already getting tense. You're going, okay, Margaret, get the purse. The first opportunity we have, we're going to slip out the back. They're talking about money. They're going to want something. We want nothing, okay? So just breathe. I want nothing from you. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we, every, um, every experience we come in, we worship together at the end of the day. Uh, we, we participate in giving around here because we do that as a church is what the Bible teaches us. But even if you are a guest, even at that moment, we're not asking anything from you. So don't get your purse out. Don't get your wallet out. Nothing from you today. And there's nothing special we're doing other than learning about what the Bible says about money. We are talking about the topic of money. And the reason that we choose to talk about this is because because uh, we know, one, spiritually, Jesus taught about money more than he taught about heaven or hell. And unfortunately, I'll just be transparent, even in the church world, it's, it's misused and it's abused, and oftentimes it's used for personal gain. And that's not what we're trying to do today. We're trying to learn why did Jesus talk about money so much and what did he try to teach us? And we learn one thing is that, is that money is tied to our eternity because it's tied to our hearts. It's, it's attached to our desires and our wants and our actions. Money's the number one cause of divorce in relationships so that we know that money's got a lot of power in our lives. We know that money is one of the biggest stressors that we all can relate to. Uh, Every one of us have felt the stress of we don't have enough or how are we going to make ends meet or what about this job? We can all relate to that. Jesus also talked to money about money a lot because it's universal. We can talk about things in the South like sweet tea and collard greens that other people don't understand. But you can travel all the way around the world and you can talk about money and people's ears will perk up because they understand about money. So Jesus used something to teach us all life principles. And so all month, we've been taking this out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It's on the top of your outline. Look at it with me. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate, hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the reason that statement is not saying that, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with money, it's all I think about, but when my money situation and my stress is bigger than God, then I'm serving my money. Or if I'm so worried about what I have or don't have that I can't trust God with it all, then I'm, I'm, in, I'm over-involved with my money instead of trusting God in the way that I should. So the principles we've been learning this month is we've, we've learned that, that God owns it all anyway, so we're not really stressed about the source because he's the source of our supply. And so we are literally stewards of it. What he gives to us and how we use it is how God blesses us with more. And then last week, we really talked about biblical principles that just help us learn to manage our money properly so we don't find ourselves in trouble. And today, I want to talk to you specifically about one topic. I put your on your outline, I titled it Work For It, and I want to talk about work, the topic of work. And uh, most of us are already dreading that. It's Sunday morning, you're going, I just wanted one day not to worry about it. I know Monday's coming. Monday's coming soon. And most of us dread that every time Monday rolls around. We talk about work. But we understand that for most of us in this room, and if this is not for you, I'd I'd like to know how you did it differently. But for most of us, money is the vehicle in which our supplier delivers our supply. 
We'll spend 40% of our life working. For many of us, that means doing something that we don't like just to be able to make ends meet so that we can live life. And I found a few other things that I thought were interesting. 87% of people say they do not like their jobs. I won't poll you here just in case your boss is here and you don't know it or something like that. 77% of people say, I hate my job. Not dislike it, I hate it. Eeyore sitting over there. 48% of people say, I'm already looking for a different job. So while you're at work tomorrow on this job, you're on the internet looking for another job. And then 40% of people say they hope to leave their job within the next 12 months. Work is a part of our life. But my goal today is to shift our entire mindset and opinion about work. Because most of us think work is a punishment. It's, we're punished. If we just get through this, we can do something else. But do you know that we were created in the likeness and the image of God? That's pretty elementary, right? When God created the world, he created us, the Bible says, in his image. And I want you to notice the first time that we are introduced to God, what is he doing? He's working. He's creating. He's producing. He's doing something. He's taking something from nothing, and he is producing something for our benefit. Now, the Bible says on the last day, he did what? He rested. But that's not where we're introduced to God. We don't, we're not introduced to God with him in the lounge chair, feet kicked back, drinking sweet tea, eating collard greens, watching a football game. That's not where we meet God. Now, he did that on the last day, but he didn't do that on day one. On day one, he worked. And so for us, I think today's about shifting our lens really about what we think about the topic of work. And I think if we can change that, then we can change our approach to it. We can change our attitude toward it. And we can literally change the way we live our life in something that we do every single day most of us for the rest of our lives. But it's going to get better, I promise. Okay, let's, let's pray so God can encourage you so we can receive his work. Can we do that? Father, what a great day. Thank you for your presence in this room. We don't take it lightly. I thank you for every person watching by the internet, everyone in this room. God, at both campuses all day long, God, we are, we're digging into what your word says about the topic of finances and work. And I know it would change our life because these are your principles that govern the way we live. And if we live according to your word, God, you are able to bless the life that we live. So we're praying today that we just receive it. We just put away all obstacles so that we can receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So on your outline, let me give you three barriers that we have in our life when it comes to work. These are three characteristics that we also have because of sin in our life and just because of the fall of, of creation, all this good stuff that you and I face or we fight in our life when it comes to the topic of work and what we do. And the first one is this, write down this word, lazy. How many of you are lazy? I know none of you are, but your neighbor is, okay? This is for your neighbor. Lazy. I know I like to be lazy. Let some of you, before you get offended, I like to be lazy sometimes. I mean, I feel like I'm a driven person, and I, I'm, I'm self-driven. I like to get things done. I like to accomplish, but I like a good lazy day. There's nothing wrong with a good, like, rainy day where there's nothing but, like, Netflix and a couch and a blanket and a fire. Like, that's good. I'm all good with that. I can do that for a day. But there's something about laziness that robs us from the joy of life, especially when it comes to the topic of work. And the Bible teaches us about this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Check this out. Take lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. 
Now, I'm just going to tell you, all I'm doing is reading the Scripture. So don't leave here saying, they could preach a call to us lazy today. I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm in the same boat. It's talking to me too, okay? So I just want to prepare you. Learn from their ways and become wise. Isn't that what we're trying to do? Aren't we here because we want to know how to do this right? Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you... Lazy bones, remember us, God. How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Why am I in this place? Why am I always struggling? Why can't I get ahead in life? Maybe because you're lazy. I didn't say it. Don't look at me. It's the Bible. You lazy bones. If you're not working, the Bible, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's right. Come on. We understand that. But we all have a tendency to slow down. And listen, some of us, it's not because you don't have a work ethic. For some of us, we have those seasons. You know what I'm talking about? Those seasons where you don't understand why you wake up that day and you don't want to get out of bed. When you have those seasons when you don't even want to answer the phone when your best friend calls, those seasons where you don't even care if the sun shines, those seasons where you feel like no matter if this is good, 10 other things are going to be bad, we just have those seasons that we all go through, and it can put us in a place of laziness where our ethic says just stop. It doesn't matter anyway. But I'm telling you, it makes a difference when we understand a work ethic. An ant, I love ants. I think ants are so cool. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, uh, I was talking about ants in church, probably this scripture, and someone left church because I had said I'd never had one in one in one and went and bought me an ant farm. And I had an ant farm. It was the coolest thing in the world to watch those ants. Now, some of you don't share that joy, but have you ever tried to destroy an ant bed? Like you just, you kick the top off. You never catch an ant going, oh, I, I was taking a nap. Let me, let me get back to work. Never. They're all scurrying around in there. And tomorrow when you wake up, if you just knock that thing over, they will have built that back with, a, with another wing on the other side. They'll show you up. Say, okay, you take this down. You watch this. Wait till tomorrow because they're working hard. Now, I know none of us in here struggle with laziness, but in case you don't know you do, I brought a quiz that you can ask yourself. All right, you ready for this? You kick something under the fridge just so you didn't have to pick it up. Some of you got lunch under there that you ain't seen in years. You slept with the lights on just because you didn't want to get up and turn them off. Now, see, I say rich people. You know somebody's rich or wasteful when you see lights burning on the house in the daytime. I'm like, man, that's when you know you're burning money. Just let them burn. Don't worry about the sun. We're good. You watched a TV show you didn't even want to watch because the remote was out of reach. I've done that. I really have thrown something in the garbage and missed, just left it on the floor. <laughs> I've done that one too. You text someone in another room to bring you something instead of getting it yourself. A lot of guilty people on that one. This is the worst. You held your bladder until it hurt because you didn't want to get up to go to the bathroom. Now, you know you're lazy when you're hurting and you need to go to the bathroom and you just don't even want to get up. Listen, some of us work real hard at hardly working. But let me share a few things with you. Laziness doesn't learn, and laziness doesn't lead. We're never going to learn to get out of this cycle if we're lazy. 
And we're never going to lead anybody else with what we do with our life if we walk in laziness. Laziness doesn't gain leverage and it doesn't leave a legacy. And if we're people of life on purpose, we live lives that leave a legacy. We live lives that are not just about our own. And we will never do that with laziness in our life. Number two, this is a big one. We're entitled. Now, some of you just thought of somebody. I thought, man, isn't it always when the person that needs to hear didn't hear? Isn't that the worst, okay? This will be posted online, on the podcast, on Facebook, on YouTube. Just send them a link. Say, I love you. Listen to point number two. Listen to this. These, these, are, these are entitled people from, from um, the Old Testament. These people were in slavery, okay? And, uh, and they were praying for God literally to rescue them from the slavery that we're in. And I don't know how you read the Bible, but I read it like an 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Here he comes in, and he's, I'll be back. And he takes these people out. This is Moses. And this is what happens. This is them talking. We remember the fish we used to eat, in e- uh, we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we will ever see is this manna. I want you to underline that statement. All we will ever see is this manna. Do you know what manna was? It was miracle food dropped from the sky from God. Literally, as these people were wandering out in the wilderness because they left slave jobs, chained up, praying, God, when are you ever going to get me out of this mess? He provides a miraculous miracle. When they are hungry, he literally drops food from heaven, and they're looking at a miracle going, is this all you got? Wasn't it better when we were back there doing something we hated, but at least we had leeks? I mean, leeks and garlic. <laughs> we easily said garlic, God. Can't you put some garlic on the, <laughs> on the manna? Come on, God, spice it up a little. They were so entitled. They had gotten so accustomed to the blessings of God that they could no longer recognize that they were walking and living and experiencing a miracle from God. Some of us miss it because we're entitled. We're waiting on something to happen because of entitlement that is never going to come. I love uh, this time of year. Some of you are gonna you're gonna hate me for this, but uh, we've got Christmas trees up at my house, and uh, we're already singing Christmas music. Asher loves Jingle Bells, and I wanted you to know something. Uh, Ninety six point they don't play Jingle Bells much. Hey, Dad, is that Jingle Bells? Nobody is that song Jingle Bells. Where's Jingle? That's all he wants to hear is Jingle Bells. So we got Christmas music going. We're watching Christmas movies already. So it's like a law. As soon as the tree comes up, you watch Christmas Vacation. That's the number one Christmas movie of all time. If you don't like it, we can't be friends. I'm just telling you. Cousin Eddie, come on, isn't he awesome? I love the scene where they're talking about Cousin Eddie because he doesn't have a job. And, uh, and, and they go, well, he hasn't had a job in seven years. They say, he can't find a job in seven years. And they say, well, he's holding out for a management position. <laughs> Waiting on something because of entitlement that is never going to come. Do not let it rob you. Don't let the mentality, and that's a cultural mentality. I think about it this way. Have you ever been to Burger King before and said, you can have it your way? That's where you get a burger your way? It started in 1974, which I think is interesting because at the time, McDonald's was still the big dog, and, and, uh, and I don't know how they got popular. I really don't, but, th- but serving that burger must have been the only burger on the planet, I guess, was what was happening then. And so they were serving the burger with a little squirt of ketchup, little squirt of mustard, one pickle on the top, and that's what you got. But there were some people that said, well, I don't want ketchup. I don't want mustard. I don't want that pickle. And they would say, well, you're going to have to get in the back of the line. You have to wait a while because this is what we do. 
And so Burger King said, wait a minute, there's some people that wants it their way. And so if you come to Burger King, you can get it your way. Whatever you want, you got it. And in culture today, there's a picture painted that it's really about whatever I want, and I should be able to get it. But that's not the way it works in God's economy. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Laziness will rob you. Entitlement will rob you. And number three, write this word down, selfish. Maybe I'm selfish. Don't be selfish, the Bible says. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you are a selfish person. As generous as you are, you are still selfish. As generous as I am, I am still selfish. I have a three-year-old, and there are sometimes I tell my son he needs to take a nap. He really don't need a nap. I just need him to go away. And so the way I achieve that is to send him to his room and convince him that he needs a nap. Now, he is bouncing off the walls. He is standing on his head. But, pal, you're tired. You need a nap. No, I just need some time to myself. It's really about me, nothing to do with him. Sometimes we find ourselves navigating our finances and our jobs and our work and our effort thinking that we're really walking in this big picture for somebody else when really it's about me. Never stopping to really think, God, why did you put me here? God, what do you want me to do in this place? God, why have I been placed in this role? Why have I been placed in this position? God, why is it that I can't seem to get ahead? God, why is it that I feel like nothing is going right in this area of my life? Maybe it's just because of my own laziness that has held me back. Maybe it's because of entitlement that I think God owes me everything and so does everyone else. And maybe it's because of the lens of selfishness I'm looking at the work that I do and so nothing is in proper order or proper perspective. And so today I hope that God's word helps us change that. So flip your outline over and I want to walk us through today worthwhile work. And there's three characteristics that I want to bring you today and I really think this is going to shift your thoughts about work when it comes to what God has intended and the reason we have work. And the number one is this, the word we love around here is purpose. Write that word down, purpose. And I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to go back to the very beginning, and we're going to look at Adam and Eve. And I want to to really show you something that I think may really blow your mind. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, again, there's God working in the beginning, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. So picture earth grown. Nothing has grown yet, okay? And then it says, for the Lord God had not sent rain to water the earth. Okay, that's cool. We know we got to have some rain. God's in charge of sending that rain down. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. So God's saying there was nobody to do what? To work. Nothing is growing because of rain, piece number one. And ingredient number two, there was no one to work. So verse 15, the Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to do what? to tend and watch over it. Underline that. He put them in the garden to work. Work was not punishment. Work was purpose. In our purpose on this planet, it is combined with work. You can't live out purpose without living out 
work. Many of us think that, that work came from the sin because after Adam and Eve sinned, it says, then by the sweat of your brow, you will make your living. You will have to tend with the, the thorns and all that come into steel. And I worked in a watermelon field one summer, and I'm going to tell you, it's as close to hell as you can get. I think <laughs> in hell, in between flames, is just rows of watermelon fields, and you just tend those. And I'm just going to tell you, every time I think somebody, somebody picks a watermelon, an angel gets its wings. And every time I eat one, I shed a tear, for I know how much hard work went into that watermelon. And I'm going to tell you, for the amount of work for a watermelon, it's not worth it. Just let them go. Don't even worry about it. We will be fine without watermelons. Don't put those people through it anymore. It is a lot of work. But Adam and Eve were able to drop the seed, let God reign, and then they just collected the watermelons, and it was a great day. Until sin, there were no thorns to dig through. There were no bugs to destroy. It was all in perfection. But Adam and Eve still had to throw the seed, and they still had to pick the crop. God put them there for purpose in their life. It's proven that people who retire after a long life of hard work, those who continue to do some form of work with a purpose are healthier and live longer because we are living to do something greater than ourselves. God gave us that in the beginning. Your work is about something greater than yourself. I've learned this recently with our son. I brought a picture for you. Uh, some friends of ours here at the church, Sean and Angela, bought, uh, bought Asher a responsibility board. And he's three, and you know I don't know what a, what a three-year-old can do with his responsibilities, but we've got these little magnets that you put on there, and you assign this job to him. And his jobs are to clean his room and eat his dinner and uh, say please and thank you and no more whining and brush your teeth and take a bath and all these things. And, and so the first night that I started this, we'd been home all day, and he had toys all in the living room from playing. And I said, hey, buddy, I said, your job today is to clean up this room. I said, so it's on your job board. If you're going to start, I've got to clean it up. And I turn around and I'm washing dishes. And church, I turn back around and the living room is spotless. And I'm stunned, literally stunned. And so anytime we've gotten this close before, um, he would take all of it from the living room and just dump it in his bedroom floor. And so I thought, okay, now we've got to approach the bedroom. We're going to tackle this. And I walk in and it is clean. Dad, it's clean. Do I get a star? Yep, how you get a star? And so we start going down through this board at night. I said, buddy, what did you do? He said, I said, please and thank you. And so we're going through, and he's so pumped about it. And so for over uh, two weeks now, we've completed this board. And so if he starts to whine about something, I say, hey, buddy, what are you doing? I'm whining. What's your job? Not to whine. And he'll say, I'm happy, Dad. I'm not whining anymore. <laughs> and now, this is, this is truth. This is absolute truth. Now, my, our house has been spotless. His room has been spotless. Now he'll walk in, and he'll see a toy. He'll go, oh, no, Dad. There's a toy in the floor. Literally, he does it. You can ask my wife. And he'll go pick it up, and he'll go put it in his room. It's been amazing. It has changed his existence and our life. But now, instead of just doing something for the sake of doing, it's with a purpose. It's his job. He takes pride in it. He's accomplishing something. And we're already, Jen and I are going, you know what? We, we need to fix this with him. Put it on the job board. I mean, we're already programming through this because he's taking it so serious. Listen, God gave you a job to do it for a purpose so that we can walk in purpose to do something bigger than ourselves. We were created with a purpose for a purpose, and it's God who chooses our retirement. It's not up to us. Number two, write this one down, is work should have passion. Passion. Our greatest passion in life should be Jesus. That's what should be the motivating factor for everything we do. So when it comes to our jobs, many of us can't even spell passion while we're at work. 
But listen to what the Bible says. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And that would change our perspective. When you go to work tomorrow and you look at that boss and you have to pray after what you think, you just shift your mindset. You go, I'm not working for you. I'm working for the Lord because he put me here. And there's a purpose that I'm in this place. And there's a purpose that I'm doing this work. And I'm not doing it for you. You're not my purpose. I will honor you. Listen, we are to honor those in authority of us. And if my heart can't line up in a place of honor, then that's a restriction from God being able to bless my life. That's just a side trail there. But I'm telling you, we got to line our heart to the word of God. Verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. He is the source of your supply. It is him. He will reward you and that the master you are serving is Christ. He is the one that we're serving. So don't work to make a living. Work to make a difference. Listen, don't work for significance. Work, don't, don't work for significance. Don't work for survival. Many of us are working in survival mode. I just got to get to 5 o'clock. But instead, what if we work for significance and we work to leave a legacy? with the time that we spent where we are. The passion that would push me to do things that I don't want to do is because I'm serving Jesus. I love a quote that Martin Luther King Jr. gave us, and he said this. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Man, what if it is the fact that that Jesus placed us in our work for that specific purpose, that through my passion, I would make a difference in the lives of people who are around me? Because maybe I've learned this in my life that often God doesn't take me from one assignment to another until I've completed this one. And I have to continue and restart until I get it right. And then God can graduate me to something else. So maybe if we just say there's, there's, there's purpose in this. And my passion is Jesus. So I'm going to do this as I would do this unto the Lord in any other aspect of my life. So that number three, the third characteristic of your worthwhile work is production. We should be producing something with the life that we live. I love this back to Genesis. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. This is to Adam and Eve. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea, the birds and the sky, and all the animals that scurry on the ground. Be fruitful and multiply. Produce something. I put you here. You can enjoy all this. The garden is awesome. But while you're here, contribute something. Produce something. Have a purpose. You have a reason even in the garden. You got a reason, a purpose. And I'm your passion, so live it out and be productive. I love God created light and he created dark, didn't he? And that wasn't just happenstance because then he gave it a job to produce something. He said, then you're going to create days. Because of light and dark, you're going to produce days. The sky was produced as a separation of heaven and earth. So when God created the sky, it's beautiful, but he said, your role is to produce a separation of heaven and earth. It had a job to produce. Land was to produce vegetation. He gave animals the job to produce other animals. Literally everything in the account of creation was to produce something. 
through work because there is a purpose, there is a passion, and there is a product of what we do. So my question for us today is this. Why does this matter? I thought this was a financial series. Well, you'll spend 40% of your life working as the vehicle that God delivers your supply. And so instead of living every day in misery, instead of missing opportunities to advance because I'm maybe too lazy to take the extra responsibility, maybe I'm struggling trying to get ahead and to overcome, but instead of working hard and taking advantage of that overtime or grabbing some side hustle over here to do something to help make ends meet, eBay, Facebook market, come on, you got stuff. When you realize that work is a part of our DNA, and when I understand that my life is to work hard and to produce something, there's a a trickle effect. It, It affects my life right now, immediately. It affects the lives that are around me. And then the Bible says it stores up treasures in heaven because it affects all of eternity. So here's our goal today, is that every one of us in this room watching online, we would shift our heart, we would shift our focus, shift our attitude about the topic of work. It is a biblical principle that many of us just ignore because we think it's a result of sin, we think it's a result of what Adam and Eve did, but instead, it's literally the DNA and the character of God. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And our band's going to come back. And if you're our guest today, nothing funny or weird is going to happen. Nobody's going to ask you to move or stand. I literally want to take an opportunity to pray for us. Because listen, my prayer for this this community of people at Cultivate Church is, is that we're people that live life on purpose. And we live life differently. There is a beautiful picture that's so practical of God. How God just tells us to live. None of us are perfect. I'm not on this platform today telling you something because I got it all figured out because I'm perfect and do it all right. I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you today. I'm reading from the same instruction book that you are. But my responsibility today is to encourage us just to understand what God is trying to tell us. And I believe that if a group of people can just grab the vision of the life God's called us to live, and we're going to make a difference. Your life will be different. Your finances will look different. Your life enjoyment will be different. Some stress will be lifted. Some worry will be lifted. That boss, will, will, will you won't even hear that voice. You'll, I see your mouth moving, but I don't hear a word you're saying. Because you realize you're not serving them. You're serving the Lord. So I want to pray for us today that God would help us to shift that focus. But before I do, I realize that there may be an opportunity for somebody that's here. That if I were to ask you this morning, hey, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You just have to, if you were honest, say, I don't. I don't know why I don't. Maybe I thought God wouldn't love me or forgive me or... I don't have all the answers that I haven't figured out, so I just haven't done that. But I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. And I want to go ahead and make it easy for you. Listen, all he said do is to come to him. He didn't say get it all together, be perfect. He didn't say that 
He didn't have to have it all figured out. He just said, come to me. And I can tell you from experience, every day he's patient with me. And he helps me. And he wants to do the same thing for you. And so I want to pray for you and encourage you. If you know you're here and you've never made that decision, and don't let this day pass. Don't let this opportunity pass without making a decision to give your life to Jesus. Try it His way. You've done it yours. I can promise you it's a lot better when you do it His way. So Jesus, right now, I am so thankful for who you are and the way you love us and what you're doing in our lives. And right now, God, if somebody's listening to my voice, watching by the internet, sitting in this room, and they know in honesty to themselves that they do not have a personal relationship with you, we pause right now and we ask for your forgiveness. Because we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We are all guilty. But Jesus, we know that you bring forgiveness. And we ask for that today. And we choose not only to receive the forgiveness, but we choose to put you first in our life so that we can learn about you and we can live for you and we can live our life on purpose. We begin that journey today. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. We receive it. And God, for all of us, because work is a part of every life, we all have time and something to give. We are to produce. So Father, let us be people who produce something that not only benefits us and those around us, but benefits eternity. And I pray that you help us shift our mindset about Monday morning, about the week ahead, about the job that we do, the task that we have. God, we do it for you. Thank you for giving us the ability to work and to be productive people. Let us live out your principles so it changes the entire dynamic of the life that we live. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we honor the Lord together? Come on, isn't he good?